don't know that we have to worry about competing with men. I mean, we can either say yes to our callings as women, which is really lofty and so powerful, um, or we can try to like minimize our power and try to do what John Paul II warned us not to do when he said, be careful not to imitate male models, right? You have a genius all of your own that's so powerful, that's so incredible, that's so essential and vital to exchange that um, to just to imitate male models is, is the, what I think is the most undignified thing to do. Hello, welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, a show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo and Walter. And today we are going to talk to Simone Riscala about the feminine genius. Simone, welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you so much. So happy to be here to talk about this. Our pleasure. Uh, it's a great honor to to have you on, on the podcast. And uh, it was great to have a friend that we have in common to introduce us and have the opportunity to, to talk about this very important topic uh, today. So uh, thank you for accepting the invitation. And uh, for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, what what have uh, if you're a cradle Catholic? What what have you been up to? What are you doing right now? <laughs> sure, um, I am a cradle Catholic, but I had a reversion in my early twenties, um, which was pretty dr pretty dramatic, I would say for me. Um, and then I was working in the secular marketing field and in radio and theater. And I my sister noticed that I kept going to of Bible conferences and was learning about the faith and on fire. And, and she kind of prompted me to go study theology. So I, I did just on a whim, it wasn't going to be a career change. It was just going to be for fun. Um, and then of course, you know, God has his plans and I'm so privileged and grateful that after I graduated with a master's degree in theological studies, that I was able to work at a parish uh, out in Virginia where he studied, I studied at Christendom college. And then after that, uh, I, I, After that parish work, I, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where I met our mutual friend and mm -hmm. worked with her um, for years at St. Mary's Catholic High School in downtown Phoenix, which I love and miss terribly. And then <laughs> in the last years, uh, I, I have been working for Endow, which is a Catholic women's apostolate called, stands for Educating on the Nature and Dignity of Women. So I kind of live and breathe uh, and talk about the feminine genius a lot. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And so happy to continue that conversation with both of you tonight. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I think my wife has done one of the Bible studies from Endow with her nice. with her friends, and she really enjoyed it. So that's that's oh, wonderful. So and that's yeah. And and um, um, I was um, I, I know that you are also involved with the um, Institute of uh, Catholic Theology that is based in Saint Thomas uh, the Apostle here in Phoenix. Yes, I love the ICT. It feels like a second home to me that the ICT classroom and I'm a fellow with them, have done lots of talks with them. And I just love that community. And as you guys know, the, the Catholic intellectual community is kind of sparse in the Southwest. So good job with the podcast and keeping that <laughs> going. Uh, so, but we need, we we're need intellectuals more now. I know. Yeah. Feather in the cap right there. <laughs> yes. So I'm glad that the ICT exists and hopefully there'll be more kind of initiatives like that. 
have a lot of free talks that you can just go and listen to. And that one of yes. the ones that I that I didn't that I listened to in preparation for our conversation was your talk on Jump All the Second and the Feminine Genius. Um, so let's write. Uh, let's dive right into it. Um, there are like for for those that are novices on the the feminine genius that don't know, there are two doctors. So you and I, Walter, basically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there are two documents that you highlight, uh, which are Letter to Women, uh, published in June 1995, and, um, and then Mulieris Dignitatem, both by St. John Paul II. But that one is uh, an earlier work, August of 1988. Um, can you give us, like, in a nutshell, like, what those two documents talk about? Yeah. Um, well, the earlier document, Moliere's Dignitatum, is an apostolic letter that John Paul II wrote in 1988. And that document is very rich, philosophically and theologically robust. And it, and it, it really is a document worth reading. It's an apostolic letter. So obviously he's writing a thing to his bishops and saying, hey, pay attention to uh, the dignity and vocation of women. The organization that I work for in Dow that was one of its founding documents. The, the women that founded Endow read that document and said, wow, uh, we didn't know that the church had so much to say about the dignity of women um, and the feminine genius. And there's this is a big question. Um, mm -hmm. So Endow was really formed as a response to John Paul II's vision, his call for a new feminism, and to get women to study what he had to say about their dignity. So that document is very philosophically and theologically robust. So uh, it, again, it's worth studying um, and it's worth men studying too. It's not written for women. It's actually written for the entire church. And then his later document in 1995, which he released, as you mentioned in June, he released it on June 29th, which is the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, which is uh, very interesting that on such a patriarchal feast day, you know, mm -hmm. to <laughs> Peter and Paul, you know, he is now releasing this letter to women, um, addressing the Marian dimension of the church. So I think that was his way of saying, hey, complementarity. There's a complementarity mm. of the masculine and the feminine dimension. So on this very like patriarchal feast day, I, I want to address the women of the church. And that letter is a pastoral letter. So it doesn't have kind of the, the depth, if you will. I don't want to say it doesn't have depth. It does have depth. But it doesn't have the weight of an apostolic letter the way Moliere's Dignitatum does. But okay. it's more like a father's pastoral letter to all his children, all his daughters in the entire world. And he says this in the letter. He says, I'm, I want to speak directly to each mm -hmm. woman. So actually, non-Catholic women, non-Christian women, to every woman, he really wants to highlight and elevate um, the dignity that Jesus brought to to women. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he went very direct and outlined every aspect of womanhood in his letter, you know, because he yes. went to women who are mothers, women who are wise, women who are daughters, women who work, consecrated yes. women, every woman. So it's like everybody pay attention, you know, mm -hmm. and, and leave, it, leave it to John Paul II right to 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 have the foresight and 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 obviously the sensibility to do what you just said to to release this letter on on such a important patriarchal feast day um but 
that's just how he rolled, you know, bold. Very bold. And that that what you were referencing is the second paragraph of the document where he's, yeah, he's thanking every single woman mm -hmm. in the world simply for the fact of being a woman. So it's, you can imagine that for women who are, you know, can so often perhaps fall into comparison or I'm not doing enough or maybe measured by kind of the world's criteria by how, right. how wealthy or beautiful they are, or, you know, productive or their careers. John Paul II is kind of liberating them, bringing, reminding them of their dignity for the simple fact that they exist and that they're a woman and that they're a daughter of God. He thanks them for that. And that's, you know, he goes straight into why human, the human person has dignity simply by being mm -hmm. made in the image of God and, and being loved by him. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that, this concept of uh, womanhood being God's invention, mm. I, I was like, okay, okay. And, and, and I'm talking about the vocation and mission of women, um, that, um, it's, it's not about women have to stay at home raising kids. That is a very important job. But there's also women that are going to be consecrated, like like Gustavo said, or there's going to be women that are, that are going to be in the workforce, and they are all needed. Yes. Um, I think that that aspect of uh, vocation and mission, um, making the differentiation of it, and Saint John Paul II talking to all of those women in particular, that it, he's not alienating anybody; he's just like casting this wide mm -hmm. net to to bring everybody to the fold that is mm -hmm. just i mean yeah um again yeah. we can talk about that men forever <laughs> yeah he's, writing. he's not alienating them but he's also saying that it's not so much about the fact that you are a wife or a mother or a worker or a consecrated but that whatever in whatever circumstance you find yourself uh you your unique uh, contribution is your feminine presence in whatever sphere of influence that you have. And the world so often wants to define someone's value by, by the work that they do, whether that work is in the home or outside the home or, you know, whatever the, the, the doing part is. And, and, and John Paul II says, no, there's some, the genius of women is about her feminine spirit that she expresses in her own unique subjective way in whatever in whatever circumstance she happens to be in. I think that's what makes it fascinating to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, I think it's at some point in that talk, you mentioned that, of course, it's not about women being able to do the work that men do. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's just that... Yeah women are going to do it in a feminine way and men are going to do things in a masculine way. And there are differences to that. And that is just to say it right now, it feels like we're saying something very radical and opposite to the world that we are living in right now to the point where, you know, not to bring hot button topics um, that just happened today when we are um, at the time of recording, um, the leak of the decision of the Supreme Court about uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, now, all of a sudden, again, we are talking about women mm -hmm. and not birthing persons and not menstruating yeah. 
persons mm-hmm. and um it's it seems very very crazy to to not being able to define what a woman is but the church has always had that straight and is a top priority to uphold the dignity and value of women in the church but it seems like the impression that everybody has of the catholic church when it comes to women is the patriarchy is oppressive Um, can yep. you talk about why we don't, I mean, and Dow yeah. is doing is, is labor to like, to, to, to make this message available to all women. But I think we need to do more to bring that message out to everybody. Yeah. I think the reason why the Catholic church is, seems like it doesn't care about women or is oppressive to women is because everybody is reading the Catholic Church through a political lens mm-hmm. instead of letting the Catholic faith in, inform how they view um, mm-hmm. the world and politics. So I was just at a wedding last week and um, was just talking to the, I didn't know anybody at my table. And uh, I just kind of mentioned what I do, which is always a little awkward, like, oh, I educate on the nature and dignity of women. What do you do? You know, and <laughs> and I'm a Catholic, you know, so it's, you know, you just have to jump right in, I guess, but I'm getting more used to it. But um, he's like, well, you seem like a well-educated woman. That's strange. How is it that you're Catholic? I was like, oh, ouch. ouch. Like, that's- ouch on so many levels. <laughs> ouch, on so many, ouch on so many levels, exactly. And also, again, what, you, what you're just mentioning about the perception of the world of the church is so far away from the reality of the church. I mean, the only reason that we can talk about women's rights at all, as we are today in the United States, is because of Jesus, right? When, 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 when our Lord walked the earth and was crucified, died, buried, and resurrected, in the Roman Empire, women were, were not people. They were not considered people. Children were not considered people. They were property mm-hmm. um, to buy and to sell and to dispose of. So the fact that today, 2022, we can even talk about women's fundamental human rights at all is because of Christianity, because the Christian mindset built Western civilization. So even mm-hmm. though uh, we disagree with so much of what's happening in our country when it comes to quote unquote abortion rights, the fact that it's even a conversation at all is because at some point civilization dignified women and it did so because of our Lord. That's a fact. That's a historical fact that even non-Christian religious sociologists can't deny and have to admit and, and do admit. So So that's that's one thing to keep in mind. But the other is that, you know, the, if we look at the faith through an American political lens, through the, the lens of what you do or utilitarian or economic lens, then as long as um, we are defining women by what she can and can't do in the church, and if she can't do things that men can do, and I'm here just, I'll directly say, as long as as long as women can't be priests and they can't be priests because <laughs> that's not their vocation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. vocations are callings and Jesus only called men to priesthood, right? You can't, correct. you can't force the calling. You have to be called. And if you're not, <laughs> and we know that women are not called to that, but if you're only seeing a human person's value based on what they're given, you know, called or to do or not, um, 
then you reduce them to to gender roles, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the church is so much bigger than that, right? Anytime I hear, and I get asked this a lot after talks, you know, well, what about the women priests? You know, I thought, well, if my dignity comes from being able to be a priest or not, that's a pretty low bar dignity. I mean, the greatest creature in the world was a woman, was the Virgin Mary, who's mm-hmm. the mother of mm-hmm. God. I don't know that we have to worry about competing with men. Not that this, you know, not, <laughs> exactly. not this but, you know, I mean, we can either say yes to our callings as women, which is really lofty and so powerful, um, or we can try to like minimize our power and try to do what John Paul II warned us not to do when he said, be careful not to imitate male models. Right. You have a genius all of your own that's so powerful, that's so incredible, that's so essential and vital to exchange that um, to just to imitate male models is is the what I think is the most undignified. Mm-hmm. Thing. I also think that it- we take scripture sometimes literal. You know, so when we read Bible verses like uh, wives be submissive to your husband. And we read how uh, Eve was to be the helper of Adam. You know, that's that's not what it means. You know, so I, I, it goes back to what you were saying, that sometimes we pay attention to what the world is telling us as opposed to what the church teaches. So we, we get to in, in tune with fitting into the current landscape and, and, and we don't see the vastness and and um, the wisdom of the Catholic Church, you know. So and and Pope John Paul says it in his letter, right? And it, he says that it's help means not only to acting but also being yes. about being the the complementary part. Because men, we make women women, and women make men men. That's that's how it works. That's how it was designed. We cannot find full realization by ourselves. And yeah. I, I think sometimes we that, that gets missed, you know, even within the church, because we see it with with like the earthly cultural lens as opposed to really yeah. diving deep and trying to learn. And that's why I think and Dow is so powerful and so needed, because like you said, even the ladies that founded it read this and were like, wow, that's all there. It's just for us to unpack. Yeah, not even within the church, unfortunately, especially within the church, mm-hmm. especially within the church. So, you know, that we have to go deep into scripture. We don't read the scriptures literalistically, but we do read it on face value in a, in a literal way first mm-hmm. before we look at the other meanings of scripture. But the Hebrew word for helpmate is there. Um, God refers to himself as man's helpmate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we... <laughs> That's in the scriptures too. So if a woman reads it and goes, what do you mean help me? But then later you read God referring to himself as man's helpmate, then all of a sudden it's not such a big deal anymore. <laughs> but the hard thing about being Catholic, which is also my favorite thing about being Catholic, is that it's so deep and rich. You, you can't do like a skim. You're either no. in or out. And if you're exactly. in, you gotta go, you go deep because it is deep. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Even I think he even said Duke in Altum, right? Going to the deep. It Going was one the of the. Yep. Yeah. You have to love God with your whole heart, mind, 
soul and strength. The mind is there too, you know? Yep. And sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you guys, I bet it does, but, you know, someone will find out you're Catholic and you have a podcast and they're like, oh, okay, well, let me pick the most hot button issue. And then you have five minutes to talk about it. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> like this, we're going to have to become friends because this yeah. is, this is, there's a big context here. We're not there yet. We don't have to worry about We're not that. There Nobody yet. knows who we are. We're still in small potatoes. <laughs> Let's keep it like that. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> what happened to the mustard seed, right? It became a bushel. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Just hold, hold um, tight. <laughs> well, from, from your lips to God's ears. Um, the, the, uh, another morsel that I found fascinating um, is that true progress is, is human flourishing um focusing on social ethical dimensions. Um, all of this, um, talking about the, the dignity of women and women understanding um, how they can help on recalibrating towards the spiritual, the model, the moral, the soul. Um, why do you think we have abandoned human flourishing as the, the paramount of progress in, in society oh. right now? There's so many layers to that. I think I think one of the main ones is, I mean, if you're talking about a particularly American context, I could say that because of economic utilitarian consumerism, right? Mm -hmm. um, really hard to pay attention to human values, the spiritual and the ethical, which is that unique contribution of women, John Paul II will say, when everybody's kind of lens is reduced to productivity and economic productivity. Um, that's very, very hard to do because it, it's not going to be a moneymaker. Um, you yeah. have to say that there are certain human values that are more important um, than the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. That's that's very hard to do. And, and John Paul II, who fought so hard uh, for the Soviet Union to fall, for the fall of communism in Poland and the Eastern Bloc, after freedom was won, right? Then man has to know what to do with his freedom. And the United States, which was obviously not a communistic society, what saddened him and also later Mother Teresa is that you could, you know, they could call this the poorest country in the world because mm -hmm. we have so much freedom, but we don't even want to do with the freedom. We often abuse our freedom, not in service of the other, um, but to serve ourselves. So I think that's part of an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm uh, the timing of Mulieri's Dignitatum is 1988, like right before communism and yeah. the USSR went into oblivion. Um, I think that that, um, I don't remember who we talked to about in the podcast. It was, um, I think it was Ryan Ayala, where we mentioned um, the, um, this this book about it's yeah because I know Saint Mary's connection my brain went there. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, birthday, actually, so happy birthday, Ryan! Happy, oh yeah, <laughs> happy birthday, Ryan! In uh, uh, the the the, the prince the principle of culture is leisure, and I think it was a response oh. to the communist um, concept of yeah. uh, what cons what consists to be like a person that is useful to the state, which was. If they can produce, um, so so the antidote to that is not what they can produce, but who they are and the dignity as a person. Um, so that um, what, what I was trying to get to the point is that right now I feel like because of all the waves of feminism that we have seen, and, and I don't know which one we are in right now, um, 
there seems to be like all of these um, uh, things that now is like, okay, men are equal to women, but in like the negative things like uh, yeah. promiscuity, um, being absent from families, um, all, all I think that it is trying to compete to um, women can do the same thing as men. Like, I don't think that was out of the question. I mean, I know that my wife is very capable and I want my daughter to be independent and, and a successful uh, woman if she chooses to pursue a career or and whatnot. But that is not the point. Um, mm -hmm. The point being is people are, our society is away from God and we are not talking about vocation. We're not talking about mission. I think it all boils down to what you were just saying, Simone. This is like the almighty dollar is driving what we are doing. Um, and it's just so sad because you have a very ominous uh, words from Paul VI when in the 1960s it started with uh, contraception in, in, I think, the first wave of feminism. I don't know if you can yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit more because I think feminist feminine genius started with him, sort of. Yeah, sort of. I mean... If you want, in terms of um, how seriously he took women at the in the Second Vatican Council, well, yeah, just to backtrack a little, I think you were referring to Joseph Pieper's book *Leisure: The Basis of Culture*. Yes. Is that yes? Is that what you had Ryan on to talk about? Because if so, I'm very jealous because I love that book. Um, <laughs> not, I think that's not, one of the most not, important. That's one of the most important I've ever read. Not exclusively. We were talking about uh, the theology of the cigar, and he mentioned the book about leisure and spending time doing that mm -hmm. i'm going to publicly take credit for telling him to read that book i don't think he <laughs> <laughs> will mind but there, there wasn't video for brian so yours is the one that counts <laughs> perfect <laughs> but i mean yeah so joseph just to backtrack a little bit after world war mm -hmm. ii joseph Pieper wrote that book and you know what is people hear leisure and they think of like entertainment or amusement or just being lazy, what they don't realize is that leisure is a habit of the soul. It's a disposition and an openness, a habitual disposition is an openness to reality. It's the, it's the peace in you that makes you capable of praying. And if you're capable of praying, then you're capable of being infused in the divine life of God. And if that's happening to you, then all of a sudden your being changes, you're stepping into the flow of grace and you become a creative being a creative civilization. So that's why we can say with confidence and historical fact that the monastic movement is responsible for Western civilization and all the creativity. So every time I go to Europe oh, yeah. and I'm having a beautiful coffee and a beautiful cathedral nearby and I'm having my pizza in Roma or whatever, I'm thinking- You're drinking your beer and your wine. Beer and my wine. I'm thinking that this is all because uh, uh, men and women went into the desert, went and created their monastic communities and connected with God. And from that came the absolute in, insane creativity that we know as Western civilization and the Western canon. So that, that aside, that kind of, that kind of capacity for spiritual and ethical values, the values that come from understanding that man's end is to be a, uh, you know, to be fully alive in the life of God, that, that, reminder, that cultural reminder comes from the presence of women. That is a really powerful, big deal. 
because leisure is the basis of culture. What you worship will determine your culture. Mm. And if you, if you don't worship God, it will be something else that determines your culture. And we can see that very radically in the United States. Um, so just to, to then fast forward a little bit to, and so, you know, when people wrote that book, you know, the question is like, why would somebody write this after World War II? Don't we have more practical matters to get to? World War II utterly, <laughs> yeah, World War II utterly destroyed European culture and civilization. It left it in shambles. And he's like, if we want to get back to the right way of things, we have to go back to being the sort of people who are habitually open to the reality of God and to rebuild in the right way. So fast forwarding to the the waves of feminism, I mean, first, John Paul II will say he will actually um, honor the achievements of first wave feminism, which, you know, that people like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who were for, you know, equal rights, um, was a pro-life movement, uh, property rights for women. That's very good. Right. Mm-hmm. It's second and third wave feminism, second wave coming after World War II with women like Betty Friedan and Simone de Beauvoir. Unfortunately, we share a name and that's upsetting to me. But OK, <laughs> you know, that was pro contraception, pro abortion, things that are fundamentally against women. Um, and then now we're in third wave feminism, which is all of that, plus all of the gender confusion and ideologies mm-hmm. that are happening. Right. So this is women betraying women. You know, mm-hmm. this is, and it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's very difficult. Um, so what was your question there with, with first and I can't remember now. I'm sorry. Um, I was making a comment about how Paul VI warned us about oh, yeah. all of this. Right. Yeah. So his big love for women and for humanity and for children and for families and for society, Humanae Vitae of human life, mm-hmm. the document that said, look, this, the, the church can't. Uh, condone artificial forms of contraception. It can't conform, you know, condone this because if it separates the unitive act from the procreative act, if it separates sex from babies, babies and from bonding, this is going to be really, really. We're not consequentialists in moral theology. If something's intrinsically evil, it's intrinsically evil and ought not to be done. But intrinsically evil things also happen to have really bad consequences, and he outlines them very prophetically in Humana Vitae. Say this is going to be bad for women. Women are going to be the first losers, as women and children are often the first losers mm-hmm. with societal ills, right? Yeah. Um, and then to that document, if you look at that document with his closing message to women at the end of the Second Vatican Council, he closes the Second Vatican Council. Again, not really a woman thing, right? It's the cardinals and clerics and a lot of theologians. I'm sure there were some women there. I don't know exactly, but. He closes it by appealing to women and saying, it's up to you. It is, again, he's not even talking to Catholic or even non-Catholic Christian women. He's saying to all women of the universe, it's up to you to save the peace of the world because you know how to make truth sweet and tender and we need you. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful short message, but it's so, so powerful. And you really feel he believes so much in the genius of woman and the desperate plea from him to save the world through their femininity. Why do you think women at a certain level reject that? Because they're going to be seen as like handmaid's tale uh, sort of women? 
I honestly, um, on the one hand, I don't think it, I don't think women even know that that exists. Mm -hmm. I have it. I have it. I read it out loud on the endowed podcast. It's three minutes. I don't think most Catholic women even know that he said that is the first thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can actually, at least I can speak for, for Catholic women. I don't think they know it exists. I don't think these documents on the feminine genius are often read. I don't think church documents are often read period, not just the ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that's, yeah. yeah, And if you want to know what's happening in the culture, if you want to know what the, how the, the popes are, are prophesying over a culture and what the solutions are, open up a church document and see what they're saying. Cause, mm-hmm. cause it's there. They're prophesying through these documents. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think the other, the other really big wound for women um, and why it can be really hard to take seriously um, is, is, is that wounded masculinity has really hurt women. And in particular, at least what I hear a lot in the endow world and the women that open up to me, particularly women in their 20s and 30s, is passive masculinity has really, really hurt women. And John Paul II refers to this in another document, Evangelium Vitae, where he says, um, hey, women, like, you're the first place of dignity for a child. You know, you're, you're the, the, chi- the, the mother's gaze on a child. This is the first encounter with your dignity. But then also men need to help really need to protect that and to be mm-hmm. part of that. And so I think a, a, it's hard to it's hard to believe it and it's hard to live up to these ideals when it's so little witnessed to and mm-hmm. it's so little seen and then there's a lot of hurt from passive masculinity. Um, oh, man. That's, that's what I'm seeing. And I had one girl who was reading Letter to Women in her 20s, had never read it before and she was opening up to me and 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 she said, you know, I'm just I'm really hurt by this. I'm really with a big father wound. Um, I said, okay, well, let's talk about it. Because she's like, it just seems like women get the short end of the stick. I was like, yeah, kind of, kind of do. In many ways, we do. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about it in the context of what John Paul II has to say about it. So she starts reading Letter to Women, and she's getting to paragraph two with the thank yous, and she leaves me a, a message, and she says, you know, I, I, these thank yous are very healing, but. To be honest, I want apologies. I'm laughing because paragraph three is where he apologizes. It is. <laughs> Just yeah. read a little bit further. He didn't get yeah. very far. He didn't get far <laughs> enough. But, but then I got another voicemail from her saying, oh, my gosh, he apologized to me. So I think John Paul II <laughs> is so holy, so amazing as a man to say, look, we have fallen short as a church and as men. And I'll be the first one to say where we have. And that can that can start to build credibility again. So, um, I think that um, men have a lot to improve in general, and, and and this is one of the things that we're trying to do with the podcast. It's just like to make ourselves better husband fathers because that's where we're all about. Our vocation primarily is our family, um, and we just want to have other. People see us and be like, if those two guys can do it, I can do it kind of situation. Um, But definitely there is, we can always do more. We can, we can be better at at prayer. We can be better at uh, being involved in our parish. We can be better men, better 
humans that are Christians, that are Catholics in general. That are workers, um, you know, that are everything. That are work. That yeah. translates to how your children see you, you know, and, and, and how you uphold the dignity of, of your wife, their mother. Then they'll take that on to their relationships as they grow, you know, because I think that's something that's really missing too. You know, there's that, like you said, the, the weak masculinity is, is, is hurting everybody. Um, but it's, it's, a, I think it's a partly, uh, a product of you were mentioning, right? If, if a society is not God centric, it's going to be self-centered and that's what we have right now. You know, it's, it's all about the self It's all about the, the, the pleasure. So it's, it's finding you do you right. Essentially. Yeah. And, and I think that's, let's, let's help each other out specifically when it comes to the dignity of of the human person as as created in the image and likeness of God. You know, if you start there just with that very fundamental thought, you know, that's how the Bible starts. And yeah. and and dive deep into that, yeah, it'll take you it'll take us very, very far. Yeah. Amen. And there's, you know, women are typically kind of the, the touchstone of the spiritual and ethical values in family life and in society. But actually when you have a very devout man that is Kind of leading the spiritual front, you know. I think that's this is probably not exactly what God had in mind, but I almost think God had to leave the priesthood for men because, like, no, I need you guys to be spiritual. Like, women are doing it. You know, I've, I, had a, I was arguing with a girlfriend once. She's like, I just don't know about. I want to be Catholic. It's so beautiful, but women priesting. I was like, I, th there was like no more theological arguments here. I was yeah. like, look, women do everything. This is the one thing we don't have to do. Why do you want to also do that? <laughs> kind of ruining it for us. Um, well, I mean, I feel like as a father, I take my I take my role as priest, prophet, and king yes. very seriously. Like I want to offer sacrifice for my family whether it takes the shape of uh, fasting for the salvation of my wife and children or what have you, um, all men should be held up to that standard, whether you are married or celibate or single, because we are all men. We have a model that we are going to follow, which is Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins and for our church. So let's talk about complementarity because, um, we we talked about the, the 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 feminine genius, but there can also be, and I think we're kind of leading to that. There's a masculine genius, which we're not going to talk about right now. But um, we need each other. Period. Yeah. Um. This this uh, if we want to be whole, I mean, if again Genesis, if you see how Eve was created from Adam, um what would you what advice would you give men to help their wives daughters sisters mothers to to better support women yeah i think um certainly what i was referencing before you know to to as much as possible take on the um, women are so quick to take on the emotional burden mm. um but for a man to step into that And I, I remember when I was, you know, really young and I grew up in Southern California. So this isn't the most modest place. And, you know, I was a good girl, but I just, you know, everyone's dressing immod. This is just one example of many, right? You know, everybody's dressing immodestly. So it's kind of like you get desensitized to how you're dressing. And I, 
I was dressing immodestly. And of course, my mom, you know, is the hawk, like arguing, fighting, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not wearing that, you know, and I, I really truly can say with, with clear conscience, I really couldn't see what she could see. Mm. Um, and my dad, you know, typically very quiet, very, um, you know, peacemaker type, he stepped in and, and said something to me and it was like, wow, 20 arguments with my mom didn't work. When my dad stepped in, he's not a scary guy. He's like, he like wouldn't hurt a fly kind of guy. But the fact that he stepped in and said, Hey, that's, doesn't, that's not good on you. You know, I was like, Oh, and I changed in two seconds. And, and then my mom was like, wait a minute here. Like, you know, <laughs> what just happened? What just happens? So I think a lot of times, like, because women are the first to to want to fix, to want to take on the emotional burden, it's easier for a guy to check out. Mm. But there's a lot of like relief because complementarity. Yes, men have gifts, natural gifts in the masculine spirit, and yes, women have gifts in their feminine spirit. But the complementarity is also for the formation of the other. So that women in a certain sense can become and be formed to be more like men in a certain sense, not to mm-hmm. become men, mm-hmm. but to be influenced by them. And for men then to then become more like women in a certain sense. So the way this plays out for me is for um, I'm not married, but a male friend of mine, I'll, I'll be upset about a former student who's going off the rails and he'll kind of ground me like Edith Stein will talk about kind of the objectivity of men. He'll say, look, the truth is you have, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Be at peace. God's in charge. Da, 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 da. Very masculine. Right. Mm-hmm. And I go, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I don't need to go have freak out as much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. Must be nice to be a guy. Right. But so then I'm, <laughs> I'm, and sometimes it can feel like, don't you guys care about people? But that's not the point. Yeah. But then on, on his end, I, I point out to him um, sometimes like, hey, that person that is in your life, I think they need a phone call from you. Like, mm-hmm. I think they need a little check in, right? So he's not becoming a woman, but he's allowing the feminine spirit to kind of influence the way that he's present to the other. Mm-hmm. I think in marriage, this is, mm-hmm. this is really, really key. And it could really relieve a lot of the burdens yeah. um, from one to the other. My wife sometimes has referred to me as being a robot because I'm an engineer and very rational with my arguments. <laughs> very so, masculine with you. Very I mean, <laughs> it works. Uh, <laughs> one last, before we, we close, this is such a, an amazing conversation, but I just mm-hmm. don't want to leave this out. Um, Mary is the highest expression of the feminine genius, right? Um, in in there is a concept that is talked about in in this whole uh, two letters is the the feminine originality. Can we can can you elaborate a little bit of, on on what is the feminine originality? Yes, I think I I mean are you re- is are you referencing a document when you're talking about feminine originality, or is there something you're thinking about in particular before I answer that? Um, well. Let me try to like uh, make it a little bit more specific. Um, there is unity and femininity. There is a di- diversity of gifts that um, everybody is going to have different gifts, obviously. Um, yeah. 
And I love what you said about the litany of Loretto. And I think this is something that can maybe uh, uh, make it a little bit more specific. That these are all attributes of uh, Mary, but these mm -hmm. can also be attributes that we can see in all of the women in our lives that can yeah. um, lead to like that originality. It's it's a unity in femininity, but that diversity. I, I, that's how I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Is, am I right. kind of on this on the right track? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, I was okay. I was just curious exactly what you were coming from, but yeah, I think um, the thing that we are tempted as people, and and perhaps in in a certain sense, particularly as women, is we see um, we hear the feminine genius, the genius of women, the feminine spirit, and we think that it becomes a stereotype or it looks a certain way, right? And instead of seeing the originality in the in the beauty of the diversity of the different expressions of the feminine genius, we end up seeing like sometimes we're tempted to see like the Virgin Mary, like a very bland, that like boring personality who, you know, was a nice lady, I'm sure, but mm -hmm. not relatable. Mm. But that's not true. I mean, the Virgin Mary was so fascinating, so interesting, so relatable, and so holy. Um, and those things aren't mutually exclusive. So I think we tend to think that holiness looks a certain way. But if you look at the saints, gosh. I know. You know they so cannot be more different. They can't be more different. And they're all so unique. And we want to be like all of them. And even though they're all different. So The truth is, is that we're all called to be saints. We're all called to be fascinating, interesting, attractive, and holy people that are unique. And you know, when you've met, you know, when you meet somebody that is down to earth and humble, like you feel so much more yourself around them because you're so free around them because they're just saying what they want to say and you love that about them. The saints were those kind of people that kind of liberated us. So instead of thinking about the feminine genius or the feminine originality as like, okay, like, Am I fitting into the boxes mm -hmm. more like you think if you're a woman, you can take for granted that you have the, you know, that, that feminine genius and just growing in that relationship with God, that your subjective expression of, of the feminine genius is going to overflow into this like wonderful, nuanced, unique diversity, just like all the female saints and doctors of the church and the women in our life, the hidden saints that Edith Stein calls them. She's, mm -hmm. you know history is comprised of these hidden saints and we won't even know how our lives were affected until until the end we of time yeah. well until we yeah. get there and the same is of course true for men wow that's that's a wonderful thought Gustavo do you have any closing comments uh gosh I'm just so grateful for this conversation and for you and for your ministry and and your witness you know it's it's so reassuring that um, there are women that are taking that upon themselves, you know, and really uh, guiding the rest of us through it, because I think it's crucial. You know, I think it's crucial. And, and like Walter said, you know, we're trying to uh, do a little part of it with, with the podcast and the conversations that, that, that we try to have here and, and grow ourselves in virtue and knowledge and, and grow closer in a relationship with Jesus Um, but we kind of forget that we have to do it together, you know, yeah. and, and it, it's so important because we're in this journey 
We are, this is not our final home. You know, we're going to our, on this journey to our uh, um, eternal home. And we just got to do it together and got to do a better job of, of guiding each other. So I'm really thankful for your time and for your uh, conversation today. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Okay. And uh, where can people find you and, and Dow groups and give us all of the, the, the links sure. and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I also want to say I love your emphasis, Gustavo, on together because that's what Endowed does. It calls women together to study these documents. Mm -hmm. And we also have some men that, some couples that do our study on Humana Vitae of human life. So there's options for men too. We can't, we don't officially put men in groups, but I know they happen. So <laughs> and we welcome it and we welcome it. Um, but yeah, so check out endowgroups.org, E-N-D-O-W endow endowgroups.org and then i host kind of monthly why we endow why do we educate on the nature and dignity of women why do the popes tell us that this is something we ought to pay attention to so if you'd like to join me for the next month um you know why we endow i kind of go through kind of the philosophy of of this apostolate and kind of how to get a group started or how to join a group that might already exist in your local area so I invite you to that. There's also a podcast, the Endow podcast that I host, how people doc, make people documents great again, right? How people <laughs> like change lives. Um, so that's going on as well. And then I have a personal blog, uh, culturalgypsy.com. If anybody wants mm -hmm. to reach out to me on a, per, on a more personal, less professional level. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation. We, we loved having you uh thank you thank you thank you so much i really enjoyed it myself appreciate it and thank you for listening to this episode of Barbados catholic podcast a show where two mexican dads talk about faith life and culture if you like the podcast or got something out of this episode please share it with your friends and family subscribe like comment rate and review if you haven't if you don't like the podcast just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes Go to direct.me forward slash Barbatos to check out the show notes, social media, and how to support the podcast and more. And bless us, Alanis Casey. Pray for, Pray us. for us. Until the next time.